Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The social engineering programs are weakening our country as a whole. We don't know that Putin has made up his mind. We have made clear to Moscow that we will respond resolutely. Diplomatic boycott is bare minimum. The Uyghur people don't have much time, much longer time to wait for the people around the world who can make a difference to do the right thing. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you this important bulletin from the United Press. Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, by air, President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. 80 years ago today was uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Of course, it was 80 years ago on December 8th, tomorrow, that uh, FDR addressed Congress. And, of course, they right away voted to declare war on Japan. Uh, greatest generation. That was the beginning of the, the, of the task that they pulled off. Could we do it today? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that. I, look, I love our military. They're made up of great men and women, brave men and women. I don't question their resolve. I do question the leadership at the top. Absolutely. I still get chills every time I hear that speech. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it just um, bring. Uh, yeah, especially if you listen to the entire speech and what it, what it meant. And like you said, it's kind of brought on the – you know, the commitment from the United States and what people would sacrifice in the next four or five years after that date was just incredible and, and created the greatest generation, one that we lost, uh, what, uh, this weekend, Bob yeah. Dole. Yes. And yeah. he was um, – part of Actually, it. he was featured in the book The Great Greatest Generation by Tom Brokaw as far as his World War II story. There were 30 survivors of uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor who were there today – for the 80th anniversary. Every year, the uh, National Park Service and the U.S. Navy have a, a day of remembrance out there, a memorial service. There was 30 survivors that were there. There was 100 other World War II vets, and um, including 99-year-old Army vet Herb Effering, who served the 251st Coastal Artillery, part of the California National Guard. It was just plain good, he said, to get back and be able to participate in the remembrance of that day, describing how he glad he was happy to return to the historic site, considering he narrowly escaped the first time. The bombing claimed over 2,400 U.S. service members. Nearly half of them served on the USS Arizona, which sank during the attack. You know, one tidbit of information about Pearl Harbor I learned several years ago from talking to a survivor. Um, you know, today we live in a world 
world of technology and communications that's just kind of hard to think about. I mean, if something like ha- that happened today, it's you find out instantaneously right. <laughs> and all the information. But there were survivors um, of Pearl Harbor that families did not find out their status until almost February from December 7th to February. Of course, you got to consider, right. you know, um, from a national security perspective, well, halfway around the world. Um, just identifying those who perished. Yep. And it's, um, I mean, today, you know, with information's at our fingertips. But when I when I was told that, I was like, can you imagine having a family member was there and just not knowing for right. 30, 45 days? Mm. And, of course, you know, it was when, when the planes came in, you know, there's there was some – electronics that uh people relied upon but primarily it was just visual you had mm-hmm. you had men looking out on the islands and uh, saw the uh, planes coming in and that was about all the warning they had of course today we probably know where every military plane in the world is at any one time not so much uh, 80 years ago so uh, our thanks to those who laid down their lives no greater friend than this that he would lay down his life uh, Carolina Journal is reporting. Now, I talked about this yesterday. There was a three-judge panel ordering the blocking of congressional and legislative candidate filing. Uh, well, that was reversed today. The full court of the North Carolina Court of Appeals has overturned the three-judge panel. Now, eventually, this is probably going to get to the Supreme Court, I would imagine, uh, what's interesting is the three-judge panel that said, now nah, we're going to put a stay on those who want to file to run for office. And again, that was only for the state house, state senate, and congressional races because they're talking about redoing the maps. It didn't affect municipal, county races. It didn't affect the U.S. Senate. But the full court came out today and said, no, we're uh, – actually, they came out late last night yesterday evening after we went off the air and said uh, no we're going to overrule the three judge panel now the three judge panel was comprised of two democrats and one republican the full court is comprised of 11 republicans and four democrats so this is unfortunately uh, this is judicial activism Mm. Uh, the reason why and, and there's basically three different lawsuits out right now wanting to toss these maps and it is judicial activism you and i have talked about this numerous times these maps are not gerrymandered maps especially as you look at them and compare them to previous maps over previous decades going back 40 50 60 years when democrats controlled the uh, legislature they were unbelievably gerrymandered but um Nonetheless, the North Carolina Court of Appeals said, we're going to hear this quickly and we're going to make a decision quickly, but uh, no, you can go ahead and file for office. So if you're thinking about running for Congress or you're thinking about running for the state house or the state Senate, you can go down to your uh, board of elections and pay them the money and sign right up. Um, Interestingly, another story on the Carolina Journal Harper versus Hall is one of those cases. It's a case challenging North Carolina's new congressional map. Plaintiffs in the suit are tied to former Obama-era U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder's 
National Redistricting Group and National Democrat elections lawyer Mark Elias. Opponents of the North Carolina new election maps want the state Supreme Court to disqualify Justice Phil Berger Jr. Among a series of petitions and motions filed in the uh, filed in the North Carolina Supreme Court since Monday is one to request to block Berger from considering lawsuits related to election redistricting. Quote, here, Justice Berger Jr.'s father, Senator Phil Berger Sr., is named defendant in this case, a party to the proceeding, read the motion from the plaintiffs in Harper v. Hall lawsuit. The plain text of the canon, uh, they go in to cite the, the number, thus unequivocally mandates disqualification. The parent-child relationship is a familiar relationship of the first degree. Now, what's bizarre about this is, okay, he's a defendant in this case because the Eric Holder group named him as a defendant in this case. By design. By design. Mm-hmm. Knowing full well that, hey, if we do that, we can knock the son out of, well, they're appealing. Now, my understanding is this basically comes down to um, Phil Berger Jr. saying, okay, I want to recuse myself. It's It's really up to the up to the judge himself as to whether or not he feels like he needs to recuse himself or not. But again, this is not about criminal or civil improprieties. It's a case of judicial activism. Three different progressive groups who clearly can't get their way via the ballot box. They can't win via the people voting with them. They can't win through legislation. So once again, as they've always done over the last, going back well before Roe v. Wade, but you know that that's sort of the the pinnacle is uh, judicial activism. Mm-hmm. If I can't get my way through the legislative um, process, then I'll get it through the judicial activism, and uh, they're uh, they're wanting to accomplish their goals by the courts. Now the the North Carolina population, the citizenry, have voted these men into office. And look, they voted them time and time again. I mean, the Republicans are making gains pretty much every year. If you look at the graph, they're becoming more powerful and the Democrats less powerful. So what do they do? They turn to judicial activism. But where were these defenders of equity and fairness? Where were they when Mark Ayalis, who is clearly an extreme liberal politico, where were they when he was making backroom de- deals, going around the legislature mm. to change election law with the Democrats on the State Board of Election? And the Democrats were in the majority because we have a Democrat governor. Where were those defenders of fairness when Josh Stein, who should have been defending North Carolina law, North Carolina election law, as voted on and passed by the legislature and signed by the governor— where were these defenders of equity and and fairness when Josh Stein wasn't doing his job? Instead of defending election law, he was looking, trying to figure out a way to usurp election law. Well, Josh Stein's been busy running for governor. You know, he's been <laughs> he's been spending money in that slush fund that was created. You know, uh, he was down in Newburn recently. I noticed. But you know, to your point about the judges. Um, you know, they're the ones that can recuse themselves. You know, within the last 30 days or so, we talked about a group of judges that wrote a letter, basically an op-ed, and they were Democrat and Republican former Supreme Court right. justices that says, hey, this isn't right. You know, con- constitutionally, it's the ju- only the judge knows if they are 
you know, uh, unbiased and independent or not. And it's just it's just another attempt, like you said, for judicial activism. And and I mean, where will it stop if if they remove Phil Berger Jr.? I mean, where will that stop? It won't stop anywhere no. i mean but if they can get away with it they'll continue to do it over and over but again. I, the question i have if the north carolina court of appeals <clears throat> let's just say you know they make a ruling that that's favorable it says the elections can go on or the filings can go on if it's appealed there i, I guess you would appeal it to the state supreme court right but since we have a new supreme court and our uh, justice paul newby does I mean, can he control the agenda? Will they hear it or not? That's a great question. That's a great question because the chief justice does decide those kind of things. I don't know. That's a good question. Would would uh, now obviously it can be appealed to the Supreme Court when um, when Eric Holder's group loses? Because I, I mean, be real honest with you, I think again with I don't want to sound overly political, but with eleven, I mean, first of all, it's a frivolous lawsuit. It makes no sense. They're grasping at straws. <clears throat> but they have a plan because you know these lawsuits were filed before the maps were released. So, oh, yeah. you know, they they've <laughs> yeah. uh, they're playing the next two or three chess moves without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Um, and the North Carolina Supreme Court. Remind me, is it five four Democrat judges? Is that right? I believe that is correct. I and know it, the Democrats are, can, are are in the majority. And with previous, let's see, or is it? It might actually be no. It's six four three, three four three because it four was three. six one. It's six one before. Uh, I have to go look it up. The uh, but again the Clark, appeals Google. the appeals court eleven <laughs> Republicans and four Democrats. So I, I think Eric Holder's group will lose at that level, um, and then they will appeal to the Supreme Court. And I think you're right. I think Newby um, can say no, we're not going to hear it, or yes, we will. And my hunch is he will say no, we're not going to hear it. Uh, if if that's how it's going to work, we we need to find somebody that's more uh, versed in that than we are to to get a straight answer. Hey, th- I've got a bunch of stories here that are all bad news for liberals and Joe Biden. We got to take a break. When we get back, we'll talk about them. This is your drive at five and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk ninety six point three and one zero three seven. Welcome back in twenty two minutes past the top of the hour. It was 185 years ago, 1836, that Martin Van Buren was elected as the eighth president of the United States. I should have saved this for a trivia Mm. question. What was unique? Martin Van Buren was the first president to have been what? Born a U.S. citizen. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. How about that? 1836, you say? Yeah. He was called the little magician because he was five foot six inches tall. Although five foot six back then, that was probably uh, average height, wouldn't you think? Probably, yeah. I wouldn't. Say, of course, you know they were. I guess they were thinking George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. You know, these guys kind of call tall. But Martin Van Buren was taller than James Madison, who was just five foot four hmm. and a hundred pounds. Wow! Wow! He's a little he's guy. A little guy. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, um, take a look at your weather forecast. A chance of rain tonight, mostly after 9 o'clock. Chance of precip is 50%. Rain likely tomorrow. It'll be tapering off late in the day. Chance of rain tomorrow, 80%, possibly a half inch. And uh, Wednesday night, partly cloudy, a little around 30. Uh, later in the week, Friday and Saturday, actually starts to warm up again. The sun comes, comes out, and uh, we're looking at a high on Friday of 66. Saturday, partly sunny and 78. Hmm. Wow. Uh, which means you might want to get out and uh, hit the links. Go on out to Ironwood, voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole lead-driven design course, full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. 
Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse, the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees, and stop by the uh, pro shop there at Ironwood. They've got all kinds of goodies for the golfer for this Christmas, whether it's uh, gift certificates for rounds of golf or golf lessons. They've also got all kinds of golf apparel and golf equipment, so stop by and see the good folks at Ironwood Golf and Country Club. A lot of uh, bad news for the Libs, for uh, Cousin Eddie in particular. Uh, On top of the pile, Town Hall is reporting a nationwide injunction against President Joe Biden's Wuhan coronavirus vaccine mandate for federal contractors. That's been issued today by federal judge in Georgia. This will be covering the entire nation The reasons cited for the injunction include Biden's overreaching through executive order and lack of congressional approval. Well, thank you. How many times have we said that? How many times have you heard Lambrecht screaming and hollering about these overreaching executive orders that have no legislative power to them? Quote, while the Procurement Act explicitly and unquestionably bestows some authority upon the president, the court is unconvinced at this state of the litigation that it authorized him to direct the type of actions by agencies that are contained in the Executive Order 14042 pursuant to clear United States Supreme Court precedent. Congress is expected to speak clearly when authorizing the exercise of powers of vast economic and political significance. Thank you, Judge Stan Baker of the Southern District of Georgia. The Biden administration has faced a series of legal barriers of enforcing mandatory vaccinations in the workplace. The requirement for contractors, which applies to roughly a quarter of the U.S. workforce, was blocked from the enforcement in a November 30th ruling by Judge Gregory Van Tattenhove of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Kentucky. That only affected Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ohio. The administration also faces an uphill legal battle to enforce vaccine mandates for all employees of companies with 100 or more people. A number of suits against the administration by GOP-led states were consolidated into a single case in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals based in Cincinnati. And again, that court is made up primarily of Republicans. Mm. So not good news for Cousin Eddie. Now, the only thing that really needs some... uh, some prayer and massaging and uh, some sharp lawyers is the mandate on our service uh, military personnel. Yeah, if you want some more uh, not good news, good news for America, but not good news for Cousin Eddie, President Biden, uh, just breaking news here. President Biden will withdraw the nomination of uh, Solly Amarova. Oh, yeah. The head oh, of the, yeah. head of the she office. She was the commie. Yeah, the commie, office of uh, comptroller of the currency. Wow, the that, one is, that, that is huge news. That's big news. I mean, she was wanting to take over and nationalize the banks. She was educated in, in Moscow, in yep. Russia. Yep. Um, she, she was a communist. No, yep. I mean, no, no other word for it. She and, was the one that John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, said, I, I don't know whether to call you uh, – um, friend or comrade or something comrade Omarova. <laughs> yeah no she was uh she was terrible news i mean why in the now i know joe doesn't know what he's doing he's just you know whatever they tell him he does he can't think for himself no. but uh, wow th- th- this administration i mean yeah joe's a, uh, a puppet 
But the people pulling the strings, they are so far to the left. It's unbelievable. George Soros. Yeah. (laughs) More bad news for Joe. The Delaware Supreme Court ruled yesterday that the University of Delaware must disclose additional information regarding its deal with President Joe Biden for his house uh, to house his Senate records. The ruling was in response to an appeal filed by uh, in the Delaware Supreme Court by Judicial Watch. Thank you very much, Tom Fenton and the Daily Caller News Foundation back in January of this year, which asked for a reversal of the opinion of the Superior Court of Delaware. The Superior Court have blocked the group's state public records request for information related to a gift agreement between the University of Delaware and Biden when he donated his uh, Senate records, as well as communications between the university and Biden and his representatives about the release of the records. Now, Why is this a big deal, you may ask? Can you say Tara Reid? This is what it's all about. That's a name we all forgotten because the press doesn't talk about her. Tara Reid, the woman who alleged Biden sexually assaulted her in 1993. Reid had previously indicated that information pertaining to her complaint against Biden might be found in the Senate records. Biden has repeatedly denied Reid's allegations and previously stated that his Senate records contain no information related to her or her accusations. <laughs> now, here's, here's the problem with this. Um, will they pull the old Hillary Clinton magic disappearing act? Oh, yeah. They'll disappear. Yeah. Remember when Hillary said, oh, yeah, wiping, wiping my server clean? What do you mean I take out a cloth and wipe it clean? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, you know, I, I fully accept. I, I, this is good news. They'll disappear. They will disappear. They will disappear. They will disappear. I mean, if, if they are in there, don't hold your breath. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's illegal, by the way, for them to, to toss them, but don't hold your breath. Well, one thing Joe Biden has going for him in this is that he could say, I have no recollection, and he would be telling the truth, and everybody in America yeah. would believe him. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it happened uh, at, instead of uh, 1993, if it happened at 930 last night, yeah. he wouldn't have any yeah. recollection. Hillary Clinton, I do not recall. When Joe says it, he's telling the truth. <laughs> uh, more bad news. You know, Joe Biden put together this commission to consider whether or not they ought to expand the number of justices on the Supreme Court and whether or not to uh, call for term limits for the Supreme Court. Um, Again, for those progressives, the thought this commission would come back and say, yeah, we need to do this, uh, your your hopes are dashed. The uh, commission's final report acknowledges profound disagreements over what direction the court should take in the future but makes no specific recommendations. The commission will vote to adopt the report and send it to Biden during its last scheduled meeting, which was today. Now, is this great news that they didn't come out and say, no, don't expand the Supreme Court? They didn't say that. But the fact that they didn't recommend to expand the Supreme Court, they didn't recommend to instigate term limits, uh, that's that's a pretty profound decision that they realize this is way out of line. Um, it sounds like probably what will come out of this and, and what they – they were pretty squishy about their, their decisions in this report, but it sounded like if they were going to recommend anything, it would be 
okay, this needs to uh, really go to a constitutional amendment. And the Constitution doesn't define how many people, uh, how many members of the Supreme Court there ought to be. But it sort of sounds like maybe maybe that ought to be considered. Uh, so anyway, those who wanted to stack the court, uh, this commission is not going to help your cause. I, I definitely think it should be addressed to me in the Constitution. But now, you know, we've gone down this road now. It probably would never pass, maybe. I, it's hard to say, but, you know— I, I've had some discussions recently with some from progressive friends that, you know, talk about this, talk about that. And I was like, hey, let's just flip the script just a second. Uh, we don't want to change these things because how about, you know, if Donald Trump did this? Oh, are you, you know, kidding me? And, and, I'm, <laughs> and, I, and I made the same arguments back. Uh, you know, there were some things back during the George Bush era, during uh, post-9-11, uh, one being the Patriot Act and a number of other things. That I just don't think you should go down that road because when you put all these things in place when you're in power, you know, one day you're not going to be in power. Well, I mean, can you <laughs> and, say Harry Reid? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Harry Reid wanted, you know, okay, when it comes to approving, uh, uh, you know, new justices for the lower courts, he said, nah, nah, just simple majority. It, it doesn't need to be two thirds. Well, <laughs> guess what happened after Harry Reid was gone? Uh, you, suddenly you had the Republicans in charge and they said, thank you very much, Harry. So, we'll just see how many we can get past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Trump set all kinds of records. That's why so many of these federal courts right now are have a majority Republicans. Thank, you, you not only can thank Mitch McConnell, but you can thank Harry Reid. Dirty Harry. <laughs> Dirty Harry. Uh, more bad news for progressives, good news for Americans, and great news for common sense. The Daily Wire is reporting after opposition led by Senator Josh Hawley, the House and Senate Armed Services Committees have dropped a provision from the final version of the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act that would have required American women over the age of 18 to register for the military draft. Politico first reported the story based on two people with knowledge of the negotiations. The D.C.-based media outlet categorizes the decision as a win for conservatives and a loss for progressives. Quote, the move is a victory for conservatives who fought to strip the provision. Early attempts to kill the proposal came up short because lawmakers from both parties supported including women in the draft. Expanding selective service has gained, um, expanding selective service has gained momentum since all combat roles in the military were open for women. You know, I think this, um, thank goodness, went through because there would have been dads and brothers and husbands who would have said over my dead body mm -hmm. and uh, and would have literally meant over my dead body now i know listen if a if a woman wants to sign up for it if she wants to volunteer god bless her but the idea that you're going to go out and draft all women over the age of 18 for military service and, and you know now it used to be it would be behind the lines it would be non-combat combat not anymore um it was uh thank goodness this went the direction it did uh representative vicky holster of republican from missouri a social conservative who opposes requiring women to register celebrated its removal from the bill she criticized the move as imposing a woke ideology on our troops rather than meeting the current need of our military. 
Women are not chess pieces in a political game. They are doctors, lawyers, engineers, and already valuable members of our all-military force, our all-volunteer force. I applaud the removal of this unnecessary provision. I'm grateful to see reasonable minds come together and join me in resisting this effort. You know, I, I think the overwhelming majority of America would not uh, – I would. I don't think they would agree with that. I mean, by by big majority that you know, women should not be forced – forced to, so I, I think maybe the democrats saw the writing on the wall to get this out of there well their numbers are terrible so uh who knows uh are, are, do they have enough sense to figure that out can they connect the dots you would you would think the answer would be obvious but <laughs> I, I don't know and we've got a couple more stories in the pile to uh, prove that by the way another supreme court case that is not getting a lot of attention the Biden administration, uh, and again, the reason why the Biden administration and Democrats are not popular, the Biden administration plans to push the Supreme Court to dismiss a school voucher case on a technicality, fearing that a ruling would allow state funds to go towards religious uses, and that will throw open the public coffers to religious schools. The Biden Justice Department, during oral argument on Wednesday, will press the court to dismiss the case. The plaintiffs have a leg up heading into the argument because the court said in decisions from 2017 and 2020 that religious groups can't be excluded from public benefits because of their religious identity. You know, the interesting uh, part about this case, though, and and it actually stems from uh, some parents up in the state of Maine um, who wanted to send their kids to an evangelical school up there. But, but there are a lot of schools out there, a lot of uh, Christian schools out there that would probably think twice before accepting any federal funds mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, he who has the gold rules. And suddenly are you forcing yourself into a position where, okay, I will, you know, it's nice to have the money, but the problem with that is suddenly you have to follow the rules. Now, I've always been a proponent of, okay, the the onus needs to be upon the parents not upon the school exactly so in other words give the parents the voucher give the parents a tuition tax credit or give the whatever you want to and let them decide that you know as long as the school regardless of you know what theology they teach as long as they have the academic wherewithal to educate the kids in the three r's let the parents decide, mm-hmm. and it ought to have no. You know, the the school themselves. Okay, you, you can use your voucher just like you use cash, and it ought to be made real clear that the schools have no obligation to uh, to this money. It's the parents. Well, and the progressives, the modern Democrat Party. I mean, they they don't want anyone to have choice in anything and certainly when it comes to education they don't want the parents to have a choice because then they lose the ability to indoctrinate which yep. they've been doing for 75 years yep. and it's at an all-time high now hey we got to take another time out stay with us benny and i'll be right back
promise that every person will get every gift they want on time. Only Santa Claus can keep that promise. Oh, 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 oh no! Ouch! No pressure, Santa! <laughs> Thanks a lot, Brandon. That's Biden. Oh, yeah, Biden. Feeling the pressure of the holidays will help take the pressure off and give you news updates throughout the show. Oh, thank you. So keep it locked on News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. The um, craziness of uh, liberalism continues to uh, make all kinds of news. Um, there's another individual, a guy named... Uh, Mandela Barnes, who's a state legislator in the state of Wisconsin, um, he's another John Chisholm. You know, John Chisholm was the guy that said, "Nah, we we don't need uh, we don't need bail money. We'll just let him out on the streets." And he's also the guy that just said, "I guarantee that my policies will put murderers back on the streets." And will somebody get will somebody get murdered as a result of my policies? Yeah, but it's the right thing to do. Uh, and he was the one that let Daryl Brooks, the guy that uh, drove his SUV into the parade and killed six people and injured 60-some others. John Chisholm was the guy that did that. Now Mandela Barnes is running for the U.S. Senate in Wisconsin. And uh, same thing. He is all about uh, no bail. Uh, we've got to totally redo our uh, judicial system. And unbelievably now this this guy is right now running for ron johnson's seat ron johnson by the way hasn't said whether he's going to run for re-election or not my hunch is he probably will but um and this guy was a state legislature i actually legislator um he is actually now the lieutenant governor of wisconsin he and tony evers defeated republican incumbent scott walker and uh, Rebecca Cleefish by one point. But Barnes holds a 29-point lead in the Democratic Party. Mm. And, and this, is, this is well known in Wisconsin. I mean, this is not something, oh, we just found this out. I mean, he's run on this in the past. And yet Democrats would still give him a 29-point margin? This is who they want to elect? Yeah, and he's a 35-year-old that has spent his entire career in working for political campaigns <laughs> well, well. <laughs> and social justice campaigns. And, of course, um, where do you think he's from? Born in Milwaukee, and I think he's in Madison now. So, I mean, at Wisconsin, like so many of those Midwestern states. Are yeah, controlled by the large cities, basically. Controlled by the large yeah. cities, and the people in the in the communities um outside of large cities have no voice but this this is the kind of guy that's you know probably stands a good chance to to win win that senate seat you know we were talking about uh john chisholm and these other george source backed da's uh there's another one making news larry krasner george source financed philadelphia district attorney Last August, he dropped carjacking charges against a guy named Latif Williams. Latif Williams is now wanted for murder. Just another example of uh, how these these great policies are working so well. The um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, this mm-hmm. genius, she has uh, 
come out now and uh, commented on these smash-and-grab robberies. Quote, we have to talk about specifics because, for example, we're actually seeing a lot of these allegations of organized retail theft are not happening. It's not panning out. That's what she told the Washington Times in an interview last week. I believe it's a Walgreens in California cited it, but the data didn't back it up. You got video of guys coming into high-priced stores with sledgehammers, driving their cars through the front windows, going in. I mean, I, you don't think it's that? What did you think that they staged all this video out in Hollywood for you? Wow! And in a lot of these cities, um, you know, if it's less, they have these laws they've passed during during the pandemic. If it's less than a thousand dollars, that's what it's in be California. Yeah, in California Cal- is a misdemeanor. So heck, you just get fifty individuals to go through and, yeah. just, and I, just still, make sure you're less than a thousand. You'll be yeah. fine. Less than a thousand. Don't steal more than a thousand each. Yeah. We're, we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and and by the way, uh, we mentioned this last week. Gavin Newsom has suddenly had a come to Jesus moment. Says, "Well, second offenders, we need to prosecute as mm-hmm. as felons." And uh, we were talking before the show. Um, Beetlejuice. Oh yeah, Chicago. Mayor, yeah, Mayor Sloth, Mayor Lightfoot uh, in Chicago said today. I mean, she was putting the blame on some of the downtown merchants, downtown retailers, for not securing their sales enough, not doing enough wow. to protect themselves, is what she said. I mean, I mean, fundamentally, what is the government there for? Is to protect citizens and their property, and she's laying blame on. The downtown on the merchants. victims. Yeah. On the, the victims. true victims, yep. it's your fault. You know, I, I told someone last week, I've, I've quoted him many times, but I told someone last week, someone that voted against Donald Trump, I said, Victor Davis Hanson last October said it best when he said, that, you know, presidential elections, oftentimes there's a lot of things we can debate on issues and policy and and. And, and that type of thing. He said, but this election, it comes down to a very simple fact. You're voting for if you want civilization. Yeah. And that's ex- yeah. that's exactly. Or do you want anarchy? They want anarchy. They really do. For them to pull off the change they want, for them to totally uh, annihilate our Constitution, they have got to destroy our way of life they've got to destroy us with from within they got to create anarchy they got to have everyone going against each other um united states a united states cannot be defeated outside of the united states it can be defeated within and and it's working yeah hopefully this is a silver lining that people have started to wake up by the way speaking of chicago the public school system up there in chicago is now a gender equity the Chicago public school systems is doing away with boys and girls bathrooms, opting instead for gender-neutral restrooms. Uh, Chicago public schools Title IX office uh, officer Cami Pratt introduced the sweeping changes at the beginning of the week, stating, "On top of ensuring that each of our schools is a safe environment, <laughs> we're also taking steps to create more inclusive and supportive schools." One change will be the implementation this school year that relates to our school bathrooms. Now, what could possibly go wrong with that? The, the, I mean, they've got more crimes and killings. What up in Chicago is it? Uh, they, they hit an all-time record this year, mm-hmm. and we've still got almost a month to go. So, what could possibly go wrong with that? But you know, up until the last couple of years, you know, Chicago used to go quite a bit. 
and one of my well, it is my favorite large city in America. But uh, you know, the crime in Chicago has pretty much been restricted to certain areas. But now downtown Chicago, the retail yeah. areas, Michigan Avenue, you can't even feel safe to go shopping nope. on Michigan Avenue. Nope. And listen, people are not going to go to a place that they think their life is in danger. So the restaurants will suffer, the retailers will suffer, the 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 tourist industry, and Chicago had a tourist industry, and that's going to suffer. Hey, we got to be uh, taking another break, but we'll be right back. Stay- this is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. WITN is reporting a district attorney said that he will not be pursuing action against the school resource officer that a family accuses of putting a girl in a chokehold. Onslow County District Attorney Ernie Lee said that his office has reviewed the case of a Swansboro High School deputy restraining a 15-year-old by the name of Jazeria Nixon. Lee said the amount of force used by the school resource, resource officer was reasonable and that he was justified in physically restraining the student. Nixon was being detained by the deputy after punching another girl she said had been using racial slurs against her. Nixon told WITN, that she was having trouble breathing due to the deputy being on top of her. Hmm. hmm. That sounds rather familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I watched the video last week, and I, I think WITN and maybe one or two other uh, news outlets had the video posted that I guess the family provided them. But um, she was yelling and screaming, I mean, really loud that she couldn't breathe. And, you know, I don't think that'd be possible if you could, yeah. <laughs> but but you know the reason he was trying to contain her, she was uh, she had just punched somebody, she had just hit somebody, and oh well, let's not talk about that, Benny. Come yeah. on, uh, hang on, don't go there. Anyway, uh, I, the, the DA says they acted appropriately. So Nate Sil- uh, Silver, the pollster, yesterday he came out and uh, he really let the Washington Post have it. They ran a column claiming that President Biden being treated just as badly or worse by the media than former President Trump. In the piece published last week, liberal columnist Dana Milbank complained about Biden tough and implored about what it is that we're delivering to the people. Now, interesting, today there was reports out that the White House was meeting with top journalists, although I only saw CNN mentioned specifically, to how can we better send out messaging to convince the American public that the economy is really good? (laughs) You can't make it up. And it was Nancy Pelosi. She was the one last month that came out and said, well, the only reason that building back better isn't more popular is because the media is not doing their work that they're supposed to. Don't you know, mainstream media, you're supposed to carry the water for the Democrats? Come ignore on. the Ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. And by the way, political trivia will move up to tomorrow. So political trivia on Wednesday. We'll see you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.